Hello and welcome to the Unofficial Controller Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast, episode 56, the history of the Sega Game Gear, with me, George, and as always joined by Tom, Game Gear, to my all the gear, no idea. How's it going? <laughs> nice. I like that one. Uh, yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, let's welcome the wave of new listeners that we've had. Tom, shortly we'll be heading into the news. You got any nuggets there to keep them entertained before we do the rundown? Yeah, we've got an Xbox-related cyberpunk bit of news, and we've got some uh, Last of Us controversy. Cheeky. Hopefully the Last of Us of the Last of Us controversy. The very, very last of the petty cash of the Last of Us news. Uh, and then we slip into the feature, which this week is the history of the Sega Game Gear, in light of this week's 60th anniversary Sega news. Then we have the new release highlights with our good friend Stingray, the elusive Scarlet Pimpernel of the video games world. Then, after that, Tom, I ask you what you're hoping to play. But before all that kicks off, I'll just grip the wheel, friend. Tom, what have you been playing? I'm going to be very disappointed this week. I've not really played anything other than Warzone and a bit of Overwatch. Oh, my. So, we need, honestly, it's been a very quiet week. So, I will pass the baton to you and ask you what you've been playing. Oh, crikey. I'll rattle through some titles that I've had a go on. Knights on the Saturn, um, Tomb Raider on with, the Saturn. With the fancy pad? Uh, I've with got the, the fancy Knights. pad, but it was just literally a quick play. Um, NBA Jam, Mega Drive. Uh, played some NBA 2K on the Dreamcast, and then immediately after played Shemu on the Dreamcast. And if you do it in that order, bizarrely, it causes the trees to all be made out of really flat shapes and the game looked really glitchy. Uh, I did some research and uh, it transpired that uh, NBA 2K, would you believe, uses the same game engine as Shenmue. And if you don't put another game in between the two, it doesn't clear out its cached memory and therefore causes Shenmue to be a complete, Dog's Breakfast. Oh, really? Yes. Yes, very much so. Uh, As far as what else I've been playing, obviously Minecraft. Um, I'm here to report that Stranded Deep, although initially I wanted it and thought it would be my perfect game and possibly a great streaming title, in my honest opinion, it's a bit dull. And the actual (laughs) vibe in it is very miserable. And it doesn't really cause you to want to play it. Um, Mm. The grind is excessive. And obviously the permadeath is also quite brutal. But there you go. That's gaming in a nutshell. Uh, A real smorgasbord of titles as we clear through. Um, Waiting for the, the big new releases coming out, really, I suppose. Yeah, it's been a rare old week, hasn't it? We've seen a lot of uh, cancellations of digital events and a lot of the hype trains derailed Very for, much uh, so. for uh, worldly events that are happening right now, but we won't talk about that. Yeah, they come here for game news. They don't come here for politics, do they? Let's face it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some good stuff coming up on the horizon. Um, so hopefully everyone's getting a bit more excited and there's going to be a bit more out there to play. Uh, but I'm sure it's given everyone a chance to catch up on their backlogs, which, like many of us, have got very out of control. 
housey, sun-kissed New York apartment this week that you're in? Obviously, we're recording remotely. Uh, the bulletproof glass was installed this week uh, in light of recent events. And yeah, just feeling very safe. Uh, How's Ling Po, the cleaner? Is she, if she, have you sent her on any other errands to the shops or anything? Or No, not at the minute. I didn't want to send her out. I sent her out for a milky bar, um, but that was about it. I just right. needed one. I just needed one of those. So. Much like and, uh, a famous new, like a famous uh, rock and roll band from the seventies, your riders and extreme tastes—they just hold no bounds, do they? No. Okay. No. Well, on that note, Tom, do you want some news? Uh, yeah, let's hit them up with some news. Do you want to okay. take the first bit? Well, we've scoured the very darkest regions of the internet to bring you the latest stories. First up, Tom. Uh, probably should have. Uh, which one are we going with first? Let's go with this one. State of delay. EA Play Live. This year's EA Play was meant to take place during next week on the 11th of June, but due to current events happening in America and elsewhere, it's now been pushed back to the 18th of June. Also, most other digital events planned to make up for no E3 this year have been pushed back roughly a week from their original dates, including IGN's Summer of Gaming event, which will now start this coming Monday, the 8th of June. Uh, again, we don't want to labour on that. I mean, you, you come here for a little bit of a breakaway, but worldwide events, be it coronavirus or obviously the Black Lives Matter riots and uh, protests that have been taking place that's uh, caused everything to be paused and delayed as respect, I suppose. Uh, that's uh, that's the life, but it always reminds us there's bigger things than gaming, Tom. There's bigger things than gaming. It does, yeah. Yeah, sadly. Let's let's uh, rip into that next bit of news, it's, uh, which is a little bit more gaming-related. So, so give us a little piece of a taste of what you got. Uh, you better cover this bit of news, um, and then I'll give you my opinion on it. Because uh, we've had a little digital malfunction there. So if you can read out the news, and I will talk to you about that said bit of news he's actually written the news yet he can't even find his mitts to it cyberbox a very beautiful looking xbox one x will also includes the game's first dlc cd project red gave this statement enjoy a full game digital download of cyberpunk 2077 available september 17th 2020 as well as the first expansion release on the one terabyte limited edition console that uses textures, glowing elements, bright panels, and color shift effects to capture the vibrant grit and technical enhancements of Night City. This bundle also includes a special edition Cyberpunk 2077 Xbox controller. What's that? Uh, looks really nice, that does. You wanting that? Uh, I think if I was an Xbox owner, I'd like. I'd like to get my hands on that. It looks really nice. Pretty cool. You get the DL, first DLC pack, and knowing Project Red, it's going to be pretty substantial. I know the Witcher expansions were always held in high regard because they're actual worthy DLC and worth the price. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to you being able to fly home and record in the studio. I've, uh, yeah, it's been a bizarre sequence, hasn't it, doing this remote recording? It's not probably not yeah. the same. No. It's not, but um, it's keeping us safe. Well, mainly me safe. I'm, I'm okay. So hopefully you are. I'm, I'm sure you will be. Don't even pretend like you care about me. <laughs> um, 
Well, Ross, are you going to yeah. read any news this week I, or not? I I am. I'm going to take the last bit of news. Uh, okay. But before I do that, do you have any? Are you looking forward to Cyberpunk? I'm what is your most it. anticipated title of this year that we know about? Um. So you've got Last of Us, Ghosts of Tsushima, Cyberpunk, Marvel Avengers, Iron Man. Um, to be fair, without wanting to be uh, extreme in my views as always, I'm quite excited by Iron Man, I have to admit. Um, out of all the titles that are coming out, it's the one that's piqued my interest it looks the, a good VR title. The most. The demo kind of soured me down a little bit, but as far as I can tell, that's the demo from at least a year and a bit ago. So yeah. some of the sort of breaking narrative that's in that is kind of disjointing for what, in all intents and purposes, feels like a great VR game. When you're actually in it and the gameplay's happening, it, it's a great game. So one yeah. hopes that they will have smoothed that over and it will be uh, a more... A blended game so you'll shift seamlessly between the scenes or the chapters within the game that would be incredible after that I'm, I'm probably most looking forward to I don't want to rock the boat here but Ghost is further up my list than Last of Us and Cyberpunk I think it's more our sort is, of game isn't it Cyberpunk might be further up the list than that yeah, although that's in, its, really good. in its sort of you know want to keep story wraps on, we've not really seen as much of that as I would like, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong, Cyberpunk. I'm not complaining. Yeah, I'm, I there mean, is an, uh, sorry, there is an event coming up for that which was delayed, but uh, is is still coming. Uh, I think um, June or July. I mean. I wanted to miss The Last of Us too, but seeing as we did a show on it last week, obviously we had to watch the the trailer and yeah. some of the exclusive gameplay access. But sometimes the less you know, the better. Um, for me, sometimes in these very story-heavy games, even just seeing a couple of bits, it kind of lessens the effect of seeing it for the first time in the game. Yeah, I think it can have that effect sometimes when we're spoiled too much of, of just with trailers. Um, mm. We see a lot and you're like, oh, kind of wish. I'd love to maybe leave, if I had the actual patience and uh, willpower to go in completely blind to a big release one day. And like we used to do back in the day, where we just all we got was maybe some fuzzy magazine screenshots of uh, of the game. And didn't know really anything about it. That would be yeah, uh, um, that would be uh, very brave and, and almost impossible in our new role. So just yeah. uh, going back, going back to the uh, Iron Man VR, I did see that they're doing a rather nice uh, play controller bundle. So you get both the the ones and a copy of Iron Man VR. Well, they are sure. essential to playing it. Um, again, it's another. And the new ones have actually got the the smaller um, connection in, like the PlayStation okay. 4 controller, the old ones right. that obviously came with the PS3, if you've got a couple of those in your setup. Yeah. Physically and technically, they're the same product, but the charging point means one less cable in your gaming setup, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. 
Well, uh, we've got one last bit of news. Hopefully the last of it. The last of us two for PS4 is only a couple of weeks away, but it feels like Naughty Dog really can't catch a break at the moment when it comes to bad press. From the unfortunate leak of various story details right the way through to this week's claims of stealing musical arrangements for the game's TV advert, the studio must have one massive headache. It's those spoilers which have quickly become the most controversial part of it all, with fans reacting to cutscenes devoid of context a month before the PlayStation 4 um, exclusive is planned to launch. However, according to Vice President Neil Druckmann, there are a lot of fake and incorrect spoilers out there, which we've talked about before. Um, we'll have to completely agree with him, though. We feel the best way to play this is from start to finish. Mm. Well, that'll be it's really be, when you can pass judgment, isn't it? If yeah, you, it if is, you take yeah. quite often, if you took things in games completely out of context, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't have the impact, or or it might seem more jarring than it would do if you if you print that completely out of context on Twitter or. Mm. And we've suffered with this ourselves on our Instagram page. There were people who, as soon as Last of Us was mentioned as a topic, were almost baiting people to, you know, leaving very open-ended statements on there in a, ba- in a bid to sort of engage an argument to I, sort of then go into a reveal. And I was like, oh, no, I have to police this. And if I end up seeing something on here, I'll be devastated. Yeah, I, I can't help but bite because they're just morons, aren't they? Like, get a life. No. Take your, business, take your just, soil elsewhere. Just just be kind. Yeah. There's no answer to kindness, is there? Mm, I'll disagree, but... If you rise to it and go in there with your boots on, kicking and screaming, let me ask you this question. They, when they post these things to promote an engagement and a... And a and a, an extreme engagement as well. When you go in kicking and screaming and and doing as you do, who do you think's won? If I feel better, me. Wow, Pat. We, all, we, okay. we know, we know the you, are, you are the solid snake to my John Rambo. <laughs> um, so... If only our play styles matched up to our lifestyles. I know, I know, isn't it? Yeah, I'm the sneaky man. Well, that's the, you in that's the back escapism. On the game. Yeah, that's escapism, yeah. isn't it? That's what gaming's about. We're role reversal, yeah. Role reversal, <laughs> yin to yang, yeah. Absolutely. Very good. Uh, okay, is that the uh, is that all we've got for news this week, Tom? You're in charge. You were the news hound this week. Yeah. You had a pork it, pie hat on with news in the headband. And you went around yeah. sniffing around for the tidbits, and that's what you came back with. I was. I was looking forward to some really meaty news this week, but obviously uh, plans have changed. But it's sounding like rumblings on the jungle drums are saying probably next week we're going to get a lot more um, sort of information dropped. Uh, I think it was probably the right thing to delay all the, the news coming out from last week. It takes away a lot of platforms for people speaking about more important things. So yeah, hopefully next week we'll have a bumper news section for you. Okay. Well, 
That's the news then, Tom. Did we miss anything? Uh, do you, listener, have an opinion or take on the news we missed? And let's face it, there's a million things we forgot. Fog gaming, Tom, obviously you couldn't be bothered to talk about that. I'm not. I'm not. That is, that is embarrassing. We've, we're covering the Game Gear Mini, so, you know, that's all good. That's it. Well, yeah. Okay. Just shut we'll up. We'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. Just that. Okay. No. Anyway, no doubt they will. If they want to get in contact with us, Tom, and let us know what a pair of flaming galars we are, how would the collected masses do so? Uh, direct messages on Instagram or Twitter. Um, you can email us also at questions at unofficial control at podcast.com or you can join us on our Discord chat. Uh, speak with a, a bunch of like-minded individuals about video gaming and everything else. The so, ever-growing army of the unofficial yeah. control fandom um, who are, let's face it, very accepting, very friendly, very open dudes and dudettes that will bring you into well, their bosom and you can discuss all things gaming right there on our Discord. Links in the bio of both our Twitter and Instagram pages. They tolerate um, me, so they must be decent people. They people certainly do there, tolerate they? you, don't they? <laughs> Tom, I've had a parcel in the post. Um, Phil, the producer, sent it to you. I've I've brought it into Phil's studio today. Give me some background. What even is this thing? This is a lesser spotted pink dabbed frog. Why? And it, why have we got it? I'll tell you. Phil, the producer, said any podcaster worth a weight in gold has got to go and get a bit trippy on air. Oh no, so, Tom! No, I, don't worry. What? What's gonna? No, I don't know if I'm up for this. What does he don't want worry. us to do? It's all perfectly safe. Or frog, it's or a whatever. Frog. You it's a frog. Okay, definitely right. a frog. Okay. What? What does he want me to do with it? Talk to it. You, you're not. You're not going to like it. You, you've got to lick it once. Lick, lick the frog. A, lick a frog. Yeah, got to lick the frog. Just lick it. Okay. For... I've opened the Tupperware. Careful, you... it's fast. It's fast. I've got it. I've, I've done mine already. I've got it. That's why I've, that's why I've put the shades on and getting a little bit chilled. Okay. I'm going to... Mm, crikey, this... This reminds me of the school disco, 1994. I've got to lick it. <laughs> don't be put up by the smell. It's the looks, the smell, the tongue lapping around its face like it, Jabba the Hutt. I'm not keen. I know it smells like a farmer's and fish shop, but don't worry. He couldn't leave it alone, could he? Let me have a go. Oh. Oh. Hey, there's an easier way to get color. Get a Game Gear, the full color portable with over 150 games, like the new Echo, Mortal 2, and Sonic Triple Trouble. Sega! Oh. Whoa. Tom. That's worse than the Maestro Turbo. Tom, is it... It's 1992. It's the, it's the history of the Game Gear feature. As always... 
we reached out to you on our, on our Instagram and Twitter and we put up a post and we asked you to comment with your memories of the Game Gear or thoughts on the new Game Gear Micro. And it looks to me, Tom, here we are, 1992. Let's paint the scene. Sega is riding high. It's Mega Drive or Genesis console, the king of cool in the marketplace, and it's disruptive and aggressive ad campaigns courting the very edge, purposely, we might add, of controversy. Sega does what Nintendo't, etc. Aimed at teenagers, which by default then made it even more appealing to preteens. Owning Sega equipment was almost like buying cool in a box. Sonic and the upcoming Sonic 2 smashing sprites at speeds. Mortal Kombat with full blood. The Sega at this point was still king of the playground. And at this point, they could do no wrong. Now, first to the kick things off. The mighty have fallen. How the mighty do fall. To kick things off, I want to do this uh, first listener question because okay. prior to getting a Game Gear as a, an older collector type person uh, and... Uh, my only nostalgia of a Game Gear, and this is bizarre that Eslo and Midna, a listener, have sent this memory in, was honestly Fordian Coach. My personal memory was a trip to, um, I think it was the Imperial War Museum in London, honestly Fordian Coach. Uh, a couple of seats in front of me, there was a lad called Andrew Taylor. He had a um, Game Gear. He had a TV tuner for it. Now, to the left of me was another couple of lads, and they were listening to a load of 90s hip-hop, and that was all very cool. So this is a very 90s fusion memory. And, okay. and like I say, it envelops my own memory of the Game Gear. And It's amazing how our own thoughts and memories actually change our perception of what something actually is, even to this day. Eslo and Midner, he wrote in and he said, oh, always wanted a Game Gear as a youth finally managed to get one as a schoolboy in the early 90s by swapping an Atari Lynx for a Game Boy with five games. I swapped this in turn for a Game Gear with two games on a school trip, travelling by luxury Sleafordian coach. I loved this Game Gear for about 24 hours before the previous owner's dad came back over to swap it back. The Game Boy was swapped... Oh, crying emoji the game boy was swapped back for the links and that was the end of that gaming past the parcel ever since then the game gear has always well, i've missed his uh, last bit of his section off there but no doubt been uber cool and has eluded him for many years as i mean they're great a great memory there we love the memories almost as much as we love the facts don't we we uh, do yeah you know they're more personal aren't they 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 very much are I'll carry us on. Nintendo had great success with the green screen monochromic NES in your pocket Game Boy. Sega wanted in on the marketplace, though, and as other pretenders emerged, such as the Atari Lynx, the NEC's Turbo Express, Sega started development. Developed under the name Project Mercury, I'm not sure you could ask for a cooler name in the, uh, the 90s, beginning their history of planets for console code names, but also conjuring visions of the metal alloy T1000 in it. T2, a smash hit movie of 1991. Yeah, marketing team doing well there. Uh, Well, very much so. Uh, And according to former Sega console hardware research and development head Hideka Sata, Sega saw the Game Boy's black and white screen as a challenge to make their own color handheld system. 
That gauntlet got picked up and Sega implemented a 3.2-inch LCD screen, not only in colour, but backlit too. Something that meant under the covers while you were meant to be sleeping game sessions, which totally added to its desirability over Nintendo's market-leading Game Boy. Using all their design department skill, they decided to further raise the stakes and decided to landscape the console rather than have it upright with controls beneath. Again, Sega needing some props here because all modern handhelds, including the Switch, followed suit, and it's a great form factor for gaming on the go. What do you think about yeah. that? Because obviously the Game Gear, it's quite easy to deride the Game Gear and say, oh, batteries and blah, 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 and batteries and yeah, batteries. But ultimately, quite a cool piece of tech for the era, and having the controls on either side of the screen, really, in, the, in 1992, pretty much embracing the form factor that every console worth its salt would adopt going forward. Yeah, definitely. I had one uh, pretty much when they came out. I got one for Christmas. That was my first dabble into Sega. I'm holding one now. Very nice. It's pretty chunky, isn't it? It's built fairly well. Um, Those rounded edges, which we'll get to. um, Yeah. It never... Well, I don't remember ever playing it and feeling discomfort in my hands. I think it was it was fairly comfortable for its size. It weighed a bit because of well, I tended to put the AC adapter on and just play it like a console <laughs> sat next okay. to a, a plug socket. Uh, so I didn't have the weight of the all the batteries in there. But did you have I a Mega Drive design- at that point or not? No. So this was like I got the Game Gear, and I think about a year or two later, I got the Mega Drive. Right. So this was all I literally had to play games on. I loved it. I don't ever remember owning many games from it. Uh, I used to borrow a lot off of the cousin. Um, he had a, a vast library and the TV tuner and pretty much everything else. That Which other it. cousin? Glover cousin or uh, strip it down uh, and rebuild it cousin? Strip it down and rebuild it cousin. I cannot uh, believe he had a game here in working form and he hadn't yeah, stripped it, it down. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't get the TV tuner trying to get like satellite channels or something bizarre like that. It, was, it's, it wouldn't be a surprise to me if you told me that's what had happened. He had a game called um, was it Asteroids. Could be, yeah. Or no, it was. I'm really going to have to. Uh, I wish I could remember that. Maybe we'll. Uh, maybe it'll come up in the in the history of but I will uh, I will think on that and mull it over while we get back to the uh, the story of the Game Gear um, Sega modelled the Game Gear with a similar shape to the Genesis controller the idea being that the curved surfaces and longer length would make the Game, game Gear Game Gear Game Gear more comfortable to hold than the Game Boy the console's weight was carefully considered from the beginning of the development, aimed at, for a total mass between the Game Boy and the Atari Lynx, which was their closest rival in terms of screen tech. Despite the similarities the Game Gear shared, shared with the Master System, the games of the latter were not directly playable on the Game Gear and were only uh, able to be played via the use of an accessory called the Master Gear Converter. Ah, very good. Um, I've just remembered what that uh, game was, by the way. Yeah. It was called uh, Halley Wars. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, it was It was a good little like Space Invaders type clone um, on rails sort of. Um, I think it was. That? Was it not more it, like, um, was it not into screen? Was it not more like Star Fox? 
or was it no uh no it was it was sort of top down scrolling upwards oh like a schmuck yeah oh okay I think I've actually got that somewhere. I might dig it out and have a play and then see if it jogs my memory. It's got a nice little um, 8-bit soundtrack as well. Okay, well, I'll... Uh, Some cool sound effects. I'll run us into the... Uh, I'll do this next bit. I and can you do can it do the, uh, Okay, and okay, I'll do the I'll do, I'll comment. Do, Which way do you yeah, want to go? Okay. You do the comment. Uh, okay. Back to the history of... Sega did base the hardware of the Game Gear on its master system, a bit with a much larger colour palette than its predecessor. The Game Gear supported 4,096 colours compared to the 64 colours supported by Master System. This made it easy for Sega to get uh, market quickly, though, but the enhancements were a really great addition. Part of uh, of this iteration of this move was to make the Master System games easy to port to the Game Gear, which we, we did see. So a listener comment. And Tom, before we read out the listener comment, how would... Someone's listening now. They're like, "Do you know what? I actually half quite like this this drivel. These two amateuristic uh, dudes doing this. Uh, it actually, I'll give them credit. Pretty good retrospective of the game gear. I want to comment like all these other people. How could they do that? Well, most of you will come and see the post on Instagram if you're following us on there." Um, and that's usually where we post what we're going to be talking about that week. This week, obviously, it's the Game Gear. We had a lot of comments on there and feedback, which is always nice to see. You can also direct messages uh, on Instagram or Twitter or questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com. That's okay. our email address. You can always reach us on that. Well, Boba Loba saw the post of the week's topic. And this is what he has to say about the Game Gear, Tom. I loved my Game Gear when I first got it, but had to, but to do that, I had to give up the Game Boy, a decision I came to regret. Oh, shame on you, baby. Uh, little exposure to the Master System, so I was oblivious to the fact I was essentially playing a Master System games on a small screen. But regardless, I was having fun. Sonic, Gallagher, and Woody Pop were in heavy rotation, as well as batteries. <laughs> Years later, I had the opportunity to swap my Game Gear for a Mega Drive. What a cracking deal that was. I'm not into all the mini consoles and repros, so I doubt I'll be getting one. The library they bake into it could change that, though. Well, unfortunately, we'll get to that. But uh, the library in the Game Gear Mini, four titles per machine locked to the machine. So that's a, an interesting Terrible. take, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, not good. Well, we'll get back to it. The Game Gear sound came from a Texas Instruments S9 76489 PSG. That's not the football team, that's its soundboard, which was also used in the Master System. However, unlike the, unlike the Master System, stereo sound is able to be supplied through an output for headphones, meaning, as always, Sega were always chasing the edge of what was possible in an era where we all, all had mono TVs. Sega's commitment to having stereo support also a great inclusion on the Mega Drive. And that's yeah, something that's, that it makes they didn't a big difference, need to do, did they? And I would say most people in the era had a mono TV. This is a slight yeah. off-topic conversation, but the Mega Drive embraced stereo sound from the get-go, which isn't able to... Most TVs were mono anyway. And the way to maximise the, the bang for book from the Mega Drive would be to wire it up to a hi-fi. Uh, yeah which would be very, very sort of 
cutting edge in Europe, especially for the time. I mean, who had their TV hooked up to their to their hi-fi for stereo sound, which wasn't even broadcast? Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Sega yeah. made the Game Gear technologically superior to the Game Boy, which would be the crux of its marketing campaign. Its cutting edge design came at the cost of battery life. Oh, those batteries. Um, <laughs> and coming in from the left field is Harvey Retro, another commenter, and uh, now a very dear friend of the show, I would say. Well, yes. just let me just say right off the bat, the Game Gear Micro is absolutely stupid and a waste of time. I thought it was a joke. It seems like an April Fool's announcement in terms of the original Game Gear. I always wanted one. I was very envious of friends who had one, mainly because it was backlit and I had a Game Boy myself. Grinning emoji. It seemed like most people had one or the other at the time, not both. I do remember friends playing the Game Gear plugged into the mains a lot, though, which seems <laughs> to defeat the object of a handheld. I did own a Master System back in the day, though, so it would be nice to have had that converted to play my Master System games on the go. I can only remember playing Sonic on the Game Gear. It was quite a large system, but very comfortable to hold, I remember. Looking forward to hearing the show, boys. Big teeth. Thanks, Thank you, Mr. Retro. One thing I would say. Yeah. They almost had the switch nailed in in the early 90s, didn't they? Oh, wait, hang on. Just hear me out for a minute. I don't just say these things to just be controversial. I'm just saying, imagine the concept at the time. Let's say you're an all-in Sega family and you've got a master system to play on your own or with your sibling and you've got a Game Gear and you've got the admittedly very cheap Game Gear converter for master system or master system to Game Gear converter and you're playing Sonic and you're having a great time and mum comes in and says, oh, we've got to go to grandma's. No issues, Ma. You pull the game out the master system, you slot it in your handheld with a screen and then you take it in the car and to grandma's, no questions asked. Surely, Tom, that's the switch concept in 1992, realised with the tech available. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. And if I'll you had a you if you had a Genesis at the time, or a, a Mega Drive, as we called it here in in the sunny UK, um, you could play. I mean, I've got loads of Genesis ports on the Game Gear, like Streets of Rage and NBA Jam and Outrun. You could be playing the Genesis equivalent or the Mega Drive equivalent, and then mum comes in and says, well, we've got to go to grandma's, and you pick up your Game Gear and your little game library of the same games, pretty much, Yeah, and you take it with you. Yeah, I suppose as well, it wasn't like there were a lot of save states in games back then as well. It was just like turn it off and you have to start again anyway, so... To just start the challenge again won't really be a big deal. Uh, but, yeah, very cool. Was Desert Strike on there? Yes, it was. Yeah. 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 It was. And do you know what? Desert Strike on the Game Gear is actually a cracking little port. Plays really yeah. well. I think it probably works well with that D-pad as well, doesn't it? It does. Um, it's a good D-pad, to be fair. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I always thought that was quite impressive. Well, we're back to the history of the Game Boy on the subject of batteries, could run for more than 30 hours just on four AA batteries. The Game Gear required six AA batteries and could only run for three to five hours. That's a massive difference, isn't it? It is, unfortunately. 
although we've had much more game time out of a Game Gear with modern AA batteries, the uplifting performance is also passed on to the Game Boy in modern times. That's one thing I wanted to talk about. Obviously, as soon yeah. as you mention Game Gear, everyone climbs out in the trees and goes, oh, batteries, batteries, batteries. But a lot of the time we were playing these consoles with the blue ever-ready acid batteries with the sort of old-school tech in them. And now, obviously, when you go get an AA battery, it's lithium-based technology, and the technology within it has come on leaps and bounds, hasn't it? Yeah, Obviously, absolutely. these were designed for electronic equipment, whereas the AA battery in the t- at the time was probably for CB radios and Walkmans and stuff. You know, it, it, was, a, yeah. it was a vastly different kind of power pull. And I've got a Game Gear that, you know, I leave batteries in and, you know, albeit I don't play it for maybe three hours at a, at a time every time. When I do flick it yeah. on, I have a game. She's happy to go. Screen is bright. Control inputs are snappy. Uh, and I seem to have batteries in there for what feels like an eternity. Maybe I'm playing it wrong, Tom. I don't know. But to me, it feels <laughs> like the... The advancements in tech from the batteries and the more consistent of build and charge holding and testing probably means that these things are way more capable nowadays than they were back in the day. I think you've got it on one FPS, not three FPS. Oh, really? That's why, that's why your batteries are lasting <laughs> well, so long. Well, b- before we continue, one thing more I want to say is obviously I've got a Game Gear and it's a Survivor Game Gear. A lot of the Game Gear's capacitors blow. Um and that that's a shame but there's a obviously gotham games who we did an interview with he'll replace the capacitors in your game gear there's also mods that you can do to put a, a modern lcd screen backlit wow in place of the old school lcd backlit screen which to be fair you know if you're playing sonic one of the sonic games in there although it's the master system version so it's not maybe the full speed as you would run in the mega drive version but there is ghosting, there is... But that's just a that's a heart back at the time. If you had an LCD screen, it, it was pretty wow, mate, to be fair. Um, yeah. and the fact that Sega had one in the Game Gear was was incredible. Obviously, they've come on leaps and bounds. You look at an LCD now and a 4K one, for instance, it's like looking into life itself. But at the time, that was acceptable. And still to this day, if you get the contrast right and you're just playing along, you soon very quickly forget what it is and you just enjoy the gameplay of the games yeah well yeah it's um it was definitely beyond its years in, in technical achievements wasn't it yes it was uh well where did we get to uh, with, with its quick look yes with its quick launch in japan on october 6th 1990 the handhold sold forty thousand units in the first two days ninety thousand within a month and the number of back orders for the system was over 600,000. Mm. According to Sega of America, marketing director Robert Botch, well, he clearly didn't botch that, did he? No. There, is clearly a need, <laughs> there is clearly a need for a quality portable system that provides features of the systems have failed to deliver. This means easy-to-view full-color graphics and exciting quality games that appeal to all ages. Cheeky words by Sega, as always. Mm. Sega followed this up with launches in North America and Europe in 1991 and in Australia in 1992, originally retailing in Japan for 19,800 yen, 149.99 US dollars. And this is a great price point, Tom. 99.99 pounds in Europe 
uh, or the UK, going on to fill yeah. a lifetime sales number. Now, I think this is actually something they should be super proud of. Fulfill a lifetime sales number of 10.62 million. Not too bad, but compared to the competition, the Game Boy. Now, this number for the Game Boy does include uh, repackages up to the Game right. Boy pocket, I believe. But either okay. which way, it makes depressing reading at 118.69 million. And obviously, very underwhelming for Sega's performance uh, of 10.62. Savage numbers, but yeah. you know, 10.62 million is not... It's not what I would consider a flop by any means. Ray would be proud of that, wouldn't he? He would, as Shifting we always out. say. If you shifted 10.62 million consoles out of a warehouse somewhere in a nondescript industrial estate in England, you'd feel very happy with yourself. I mean, the it's opening day, we've obviously done quite a few console retrospectives, but that opening day of 40,000 units is impressive. 90,000 yeah. within a month. And back orders for over half a million. Back then as well, like it's not like now where video games are such a massive part of like our culture. It was a lot more geeky back then, wasn't it? It's a lot very much, yeah. Niche, yeah. But uh, speaking of uh, of the olden days. Retro gamer Thomas. How dare always you? <laughs> no, I'm giving him a compliment. He's always a man with a lot of knowledge. Okay. And, uh, get, well, gaming-related knowledge. He always chimes in with some good stuff. So uh, what's he got to say? Uh, I got my first Game Gear about eight years ago, and I really enjoyed playing it. I really wanted one as a kid, but my parents couldn't afford one. I'm probably going to mod the screen on mine, I think, to bring it to date and add a bit of longevity to the system. As for the micro, not for me. Really disappointed in Sega. An expensive, poor attempt, if you ask me. As far as I'm concerned, it should have been bigger with, say, 20 or 30 building classics and maybe a cartridge slot, as it's just a piece of novelty tat to keep in the box. Sorry. Is, it, is, tat, no to is, tat, is tat a Georgism that's now been absorbed into RGT's uh, vocabulary, do you think? RGT maybe. is what I call Retro Gamer Thomas when I'm streaming. It's easier. I, w- I would get that mixed up with the... Is there something on the TV that's RGBT? I think you're RGBTQ. You've lost me. The frog <laughs> is wearing off. <laughs> you're talking in tongues and I'm... Now, just... RGB is uh, is like an input slot yeah. for, the, uh, for the TV, isn't it? But modern TVs, they don't have them. It's the SCART slot, basically. Well, on the subject of TVs, though, see what I did there. Very slick. So let's talk about things different, uh, something different using the colour screen. Sega also had a cool TV tuner that enabled the thing to be a pocket TV. This at the time was just absolutely mind-blowing and further added uh, to the Game Gear's mythos. Rechargeable battery packs that clip to your belt, uh, the aforementioned master system uh, converter and the screen magnifier, you name it, they had it. They did. Talking of a man who has a, has, I mean, his Mega Drive 
swapped for a Game Gear story is now immortalized in the lore of the show. Dubai Jim, he wrote in and he says, well, you know, I shared my views on the Mega Drive thread when I swapped my Game Gear for the Mega Drive, but I did love my short stint with it. TV tuner meant I could sneak under the covers for 20 minutes until the batteries ran out. The Master System adapter so I could play my uh, Master System games on the handheld until the batteries ran out. Uh, Some of these games in glorious colour made the Game Boy seem positively quaint, at least for a microsecond. Sonic in your hand was was amazing. Majors Pro Baseball, a game I need to get, Tom, was a great intro to console baseball, and then I got bored of murdering AAs or sitting within 1.5 metres of a plug socket, the rest, as they say, is already written in the Farmerton Annals. Hmm. Give People me want an to inch. know what Farmerton is, inch. Tom. Oh, I'll take the yard. If, uh, if they want to know what Farmerton is, they need to listen to season, season one. We're now in what we term the series. Series one. Series, series one. Series one. We're British. Series one. Okay. Um, yeah. Go check out the original series one to hear all about Farmerton and where we came from and our background but uh, yeah we're in the studio era series 2 and uh, thanks to our producer we're enjoying a rather trippy jog down memory lane of the game we are uh, this that frog actually tasted like uh, Hubba Bubba chewing gum Bubba King actually Bubba King yeah Bubba Kings <laughs> what, what are you done with the frog now where you put it I don't know I, I, I honestly thought... You can't thought, let them out of her ear. Well, I put the frog down and it morphed it morphed into that that, that elusive kiss from the 1994 school disco and uh, I licked a little bit more of it and then it, I don't know, it kind of just evaporated into a million leaves and then flew up over the mic stand, which all of a sudden became like an extension, almost Terminator-like style of fill the producer's arm and then <laughs> just eviscerated into thin air. So I don't know quite really what's happened to the frog. I don't even know where I am anymore. I don't even know really who I am anymore. I've had I, got what, luck. I feel like a proper big boy podcaster now. You do. All the, all the big guys are doing the, the, uh, the trip on air. I got Langmai to take the frog out in Central Park and just let it roam around there. <laughs> you changed her name. I thought it was Ling Po. Ling Po. Call her what you want. That's how much control you exert over her life. Well, to be honest, like they don't stay employed here very long in the in the in the penthouse like lobby because obviously Can you blame them. It, I mean, no. You mean I've I've. I've licked frog for the first time today, but I believe you're doing it on a daily basis. And to be honest with you, if I was cleaning your apartment, I could find better basic wage jobs than watching you smear yourself in paint and then express yourself through the medium of dance on an hourly basis. Well, prints will be available soon from Adam the Artist. Talking of that, Tom, if they wanted to get a little piece of unofficial controller merch, be it a T-shirt, uh, we've got the Minecraft one at the moment for the stream. We've also got the man who finishes games. Let's face it, anybody can wear that's ever even played a game. It just looks cool, doesn't it? They can go to Etsy, right? And if they just type in comic pictures, no space, they can get all over 
our back catalogue of art, pictures of you rolling around on the floor. <laughs> and also for those of you with a lot of taste, he has actually got some really good comic pictures on there. He um, has, because he's various... doing some fabulous geek prints, hasn't he? Of like yeah, Star from the DC Wars, and Marvel Transformers, Universe, Wars, Marvel, yeah. DC, you name it. He's done a picture of it. Fantastic stuff. Um, I think... I think before that frog kicked in hard, Tom, I was just, I'd just finished Dubai Jim's um, comment. Do you want to, while I gather myself Uh, up for the rest of the feature, do you want to carry on? You can put your trousers on as well. The Game Gear really allowed you in. Was uh, I even wearing them though? Because I don't know if this is, I don't know if I've took them off or whether that's part of the frog. Hmm. Because if I tried to take, if I, what if I try and rip my own skin off by accident now? I'm a bit nervous. Yeah. I'll compose myself and you, you finish. You just, you, you, yeah, you stay calm, get a blanket, <laughs> cup of hot milk, and this, you'll, you'll be all right. Well, the Game Gear really allowed you to continue your Mega Drive Genesis Mass System gaming on the go, uh, continuing the story or ports of its biggest hits right there in the palm of your hand. For that, Sega, we applaud you. Good job. As always, Sega flew so close to the sun, and for a moment we all wondered if it would, was possible, just possible, for them to eclipse the Game Boy. But alas, it wasn't possible, and we'll forever wonder what could have been. Now I'm let's right. imagine. I'm all right now. You're okay. I'm all right. You sure. Let's, yeah, I've simmered down. For, while it's, you were talking, I looked... Oh, now... Now, now you finish. I've I've sorted myself out. While you were talking, I looked through the glass screen because I obviously record here in Phil's studio. And until you can fly back to the UK, um, we're recording via Zoom. Uh, and he went from Zelda in the Terror Hawks, and I really feel like I'm back to normal now because now he just looks like a nineties washed up producer looking through the slightly balding, but with a mullet. He, yeah, I think I think I'm back in the room now. Ah, send him my love, won't you? Yeah, he says. Everyone else used to, so you know. Okay, I don't know what that means. Now let's imagine you're at a cocktail party and some guy says he game gears. Well, so you can hold your own. Let's look back at five top game recommendations and some natty peripherals to enhance your game gear experience. Kicking off with number one, it's a bit cheeky. I've rolled them all in here. The Sonic games. One, two, triple, triple, and Chaos are great. Uh, number two, Streets of Rage. That's a great port, you know. Considering yeah, it, it's, it's it a variation of the Master System one, but it's got everything you need to be Streets of Raging on the go. Uh, number three, personal favourite of mine. I thought they did a great job of the port. NBA Jam Tournament Edition. Uh, number four, uh, a favourite of mine, Desert Strike. And number five, another cracking conversion uh, for all intents and purposes. It pretty much is that game. It's Outrun. Uh, Honourable mentions to Axe Battler, which is uh, it's an old-school RPG. You need to have some patience for that, but there is some charm to it. Obviously, the Immortal Packing title Columns, Shinobi, and a, a slight mention to the Game Gear version of uh, Rise Star, which was obviously uh, a Mega Drive or Genesis game that was... Uh, like an old, it was Rice Star is an interesting game because it, it did still start life as maybe um, what Sonic could have been, 
uh, and then or, or alternate sort of timeline as a lead character instead of Sonic. So Rice Star, great little game and one that works well on the Game Gear. Later peripherals, uh, later peripherals make great pickups, but let's face it, we're going to list them, list them now, but they're not essential. Uh, some of them have totally lost their use and a very 90s kitsch, but there's a rechargeable battery pack which clips on your belt. Um, you'd be looking very embarrassing if you were walking down the street with a rechargeable battery pack clipped on your belt now, wired up to a Game Boy, Tom. A plastic or a fabric carry case for the console itself. It's a nice place to store it, especially if you're a collector and you're putting it away somewhere. Having it in one of those carry cases will protect it. One thing I'd say, don't store it with the batteries in. Don't store any of these handhelds or gaming devices with the batteries in. That would just be silly um the game gear tom also came with those little plastic cases that you put the car- yeah, carts in a good idea i think if you've got a game gear collection you haven't got those look to get some on ebay because it stops the um obviously they have that sort of copper strip along the bottom to allow you to sort of that's what transmits the energy between the cart and the console it just stops those oxidizing as quickly so you don't need to keep well, don't blow them, whatever you do, but uh, wiping them down with uh, isopropyl alcohol and a cotton bud. The um, TV tuner. And the TV tuner, obviously, since they turned off standard TV in the UK, and I don't know what the story is over in America, but we've only got digital TV now. The TV tuner is really a curio, but it does have, believe it or not, Tom, an ox in. So if you really were wow. that if you really were that way inclined and it would take more wires than sense to hook up, you could play newer consoles on the Game Gear screen. Um, I think we, you need a screen magnifier for that though, wouldn't you? And don't forget the immortal screen magnifier, which I, I think the Game Gear magnifier was it worked better than most, but it was quite possibly the ugliest screen magnifier in the business. Yes. Um Let's uh, hear from another a commenter. Yeah, Backlog Time. I love my Game Gear. My brother and I both got one for Christmas, and some of those games were addicting. I can't believe people turned to the Game Boy when the Game Gear was an option. Wow, okay. Yeah, well, it's surprising. Yeah, well, people preferred the altogether more economical Game Boy, didn't they? I know if I was... Yeah. If I if my parents had ever entertained the idea of getting me a, a portable handheld computer system, I would have asked for the Game Gear. When it actually came time to buy one with my own money that I'd saved up for from a weekend job, um, it was two or three years after the Game Gear's launch at that point, and I already knew that getting a Game Gear would have been ridiculous. So I bought a Game Boy yeah. and zelda for it which i enjoyed to be fair i had some i had some good hours with that 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 fell part of that infamous trade where i traded everything nintendo for a sony playstation and destruction derby (laughs) boxed complete (laughs) mint condition everything it looked like it was straight out the shop i laugh and mock but fast forward to october november of this year i'll be down game palming off me wares. Yeah, take my Switch, take my PS4, everything, all of it. Just give me PS5 with a copy of Crash what, Bandicoot. What are you going to do if like Five. they haven't opened or they, they've they gone bankrupt or something? What are you gonna, how are you going to get your console? Oh, it's going to have to be dirty delivery, isn't it? Well, how are you going to monetize it? How would you monetize it? Uh, personal sales, probably. Not of me, of, of <laughs> my wares. 
Not Limpo. Not Limpo. No, I can't, can't do that. Okay. Uh, just to round out this week on the 3rd of June 2020, if you're listening to this on a cold 2047 afternoon, you decided to go back and listen to the back catalogue of the Unofficial Controller podcast. Uh, it's so uh, just to date this show. It's uh, this week on the 3rd of June, as part of their 60th anniversary, Sega revealed a Game Gear micro console known as the Game Gear Micro. The Micro is scheduled for release in Japan on October the 6th, 2020, through Japanese storefronts in four different versions, varying in colour and the game selection, with each containing four separate Game Gear games. Uh, the dimensions of this unit are 80mm by 43 by 20mm, and with a 29mm display, it's just a, a measly one-inch screen, Tom. It's powered by Terrible two eyes. AAA batteries, or through a separate USB charger. Each unit is also includes a headphone jack. And now you can. <laughs> this is hilarious. If you uh, if you get if you pre-order all four variations, you get the magnifying accessory for the system. Well, you'll need it with that screen, won't you? You would. Uh, an international release has yet to be announced. Now, just to round out the feature, Tom, we've had a smorgasbord of new and old listeners get in touch. Um, do you want to kick it off, or do you want me to yeah. wade in there? Oh, Mike. hang on, I better do a clap, because this has to be a new listener. New listener, Mike JMSB. Uh, the mini series, uh, the mini seems cool, but it's a shame it only has four games. Would be a lot cooler to get other emulators on it as well. Yeah, I wonder if when it gets out in the wild, this thing will be moddable, and you can then just put the whole library on it on an SD card. I'm currently thinking possibly not. It seems like a little bit cheaper assembly than that, and it seems to be a little bit locked off. I'm sure if you opened it up, it would reveal its innards, but. Uh, yeah, I literally I can't see anyone other than collectors going for this. It just it's not even practical. It's no. so small. Well, AJG thirteen ninety two. I think uh, he says they've missed the chance to revive the Nomad name and do both. My memory of it was how you better have shares in Duracell for batteries. Some games were good, some terribly. Sadly for me, it was the Game Boy Game Boy that I chose and stuck with. Uh, another. This guy's been on before, but Brett himself, he says, I've got t- tiny hands, so it's a win for me. Also very clever that they've stacked them with fairly niche titles that I'm sure a lot of people will be happy to get in one place. Um, uh, Carlos yeah. Saxos. Yes, a, a long-time listener, but first-time poster, so he gets the new listener clap, Tom. I hope you're well, uh, Carlos. He says, I'm rather disappointed with the design choice they've made for this mini console. Sega could have made it slightly smaller than the original with a better screen and put up to 30 top tiles on it for mm. a bit more money and people would have been more likely to buy it uh, instead of blatant collector's console with different games on different coloured consoles that people are not going to buy to play, but buy to leave it in the box on the shelf if they wanted to expand it or monetize it at a later date, they could. I've also released some extra cartridges for the selection of games on, which like uh, the new Evercade. Solid yeah, that, I saw that there. the other day. I saw the idea that you can get different cartridges for that. I think that's a really that that should be always an option. Like the Mega Drive Mini has the if it has made that um, the cartridge insert real, 
I mm. think that'd have been fantastic because then you've got those built-in games, uh, yeah, and the ni- and the nice mini size of it, so it can sit. Like I have mine sat next to a PS4 at the minute, um, so that would have been great just to have been able to get a bit of a li- like a library, probably some of my favourites from my childhood for that. But yeah, missed opportunity. I think that'll push the prices up on the Mega Drive games. Um, Comic Pictures 79, we've mentioned him. He's the artist of the show. He hosts our merch and all that other good stuff on his Etsy page. He says, I mentioned before that I had a Game Gear, had a busted screen, but if you put it on the radiator for a while, it worked. That was, however, at the same time as I had a SNES, so it wasn't something I used a lot. But I loved columns, and I got the machine for a couple of quid at a jumble sale because of the screen. It's all good. I definitely won't get a mini one though because it's a blatant nostalgia ripoff. Yeah, uh, Josh Joycon. I'll be honest. Is he I a new listener or was he on last week? I've seen his name before. Okay. I'll be honest. I think Sega is doing it because of those mini handhelds that the retro gaming community has been doing for years, like those mini Raspberry Pi pies, PIs, pies, or even the custom Game Boy colours. If we'd have been in the Farmerton era, Raspberry Pi would have been the new detective for the village. <laughs> Mini Raspberry Pi. He's a three-foot-high small person, and he's a private detective. Hawaiian shirt and a moustache. Absolutely, uh, yeah. <laughs> Driving a kid's Mini electric <laughs> yeah, uh, Testarossa. Amazing. Uh, or even the custom Game Boy colours from those <laughs> Burger King toys. However, I do think that fifty dollars each for only four games is a bit steep. Twenty dollars or thirty would have been a much fairer price point, in my opinion. But with that said, I do like the idea. Wayne Ray doing dress up. Don't talk about the law if you won't. I wanted back. to keep Wayne Ray alive, and you said no. He's done. That's that's Stingray's son. You just throw his arc. Had, his his arc had been reached, much like his maximum height in life. <laughs> that might be the funniest. You also end your podcasting career now. That was really, like no, I've just reached my arc. Yeah. <laughs> let um, me let's uh, let's send it to the bridge, Tom, with his final loyal listener, Daddy Zilla, and the whole Zilla family. Daddy Zilla eighty says, "Not too thrilled about this. Wish they were a bit better, a bit bigger, with more games." If I catch them on clearance, I might pick them up at $50. It's a little rich for my build, but with what you get. Uh, seems to be uh, everyone of the same mind, Tom. It seems to be a little bit of a front to people's memory of the Game Gear. Um, Sega themselves sort of issuing nothing but disappointing news do, this week. Yeah, I do wonder what's going to happen with uh, if they do a Western release of it, because I know... Japanese culture they do like really tiny design things and it'll be very niche and collectible but the the, the major the, the main reaction over here is everyone's opinion is like well that looks pretty garbage um, hmm. so I think maybe they might change it for over here who knows well what's he been up to this week Tom in light of the uh, Game Gear news or anything like that. What do you think the Stingray's been up to? If you're a new, Ray. if they're a new listener, should we just let them know who Ray actually is? Do you want to let them know? Uh, Stingray is a fact, or well, he's he's fact and fiction. He's a character who delivers the new releases to our door. We used to have a feature called um, Stingray's Boot, but that fell by the wayside. And he's a bit of a wheeler dealer. 
he gets about, he knows the right people, he can get you anything you want. So he's a top bloke, I was, bloke, I was really. more along the lines of when we were growing up, uh, we live quite rural, and instead of going to the video shop, sometimes a guy... Oh, the real story. Yeah, a guy the would come story. round and pop his boot, and you could go in the back of it, and not only could you buy bizarrely counterfeit nappies, but you could also rent a film for a week from him. Um, we normally come up with a little bit of lore about what he's been up to this week. I would say, not for the first time, Tom, he's hawking out triple A and double A batteries. Um, he is. He's getting ready for the Game Gear revival. He's uh, always, <laughs> a st- always ahead of the curve. Always ahead and of the curve. Definitely. Well, so, yeah, he's, here he's, comes. He's, stopped he's up. ripping up the driveway, Tom. It's time for a peek in what we affectionately call Stingray's boot. What's nestled between some counterfeit nappies and a dodgy copy of Battle Friend all this week? So these are the new release highlights for the week 1st of June to June 7th, 2020. Listeners, these are out on digital or physical or will be by the time this podcast in your feed, but could be region dependent. Um, now, we normally pick a VHS from memory as well. Um, I've just picked one. Do you want to uh, pick one? I'll take this first game. Have you picked a mummy mummy out of the pile? I have, definitely. Is it the last one or the penultimate one? The penultimate. Oh, I thought you'd have took the last one. Um, I want the penultimate one as well, but if that's you've picked that, then I shall pick... I thought you'd be going for the... Well, don't worry. I'm I'm going to pick this first one because I'm a big fan of the Stadia, or seemingly I'm the show's <laughs> champion of it, <laughs> for a good, re- fair reason or foul. I don't own one, but uh, Little Nightmares is a great game, and it's launching on Stadia June the 1st. Immerse yourself in Little Nightmares, a dark, whimsical tale that will confront you with your childhood fears. Help six escape the moor, a vast, mysterious vessel inhabited by corrupted souls looking for their next meal. I've always toyed with getting that. It looks a nice little it's indie game. game that one. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got Spirit Oath on the PC June the second. Rebuild the world tile by tile and create patterns to summon units to your command as masses of enemies attack your core. Cast spells to assist your troops in battle. Don't stop until annihilation of the enemy. Sea of Thieves PC June 3rd Sea of Thieves offers the essential pirate experience from sailing and fighting to exploring and looting everything you need to live the pirate life and become a legend in your own right with no set roles you have to complete you have the complete freedom to approach the world and other players however you choose next up we've got Castle Kong on the, also on the PC June 4th relive classic arcade action in an all new title four stages 22 levels and a kill screen one coin Three lives set the high score. Stop the evil Baron Man and save Princess Girl, meaning no three starts or additional lives. So Ooh. old school challenge there yeah. for anyone who fancies I it. think this is the title you thought I would pick. It's Pro Cycling it Manager 2020 on the PC June 4th. I'd rather cycle than be a, a digital pro cycling manager, to be fair. But become <laughs> the manager of a cycling team and take them to the top. You'll need to manage fit finances and recruitment, plan your training, implement your strategy, and... New for this edition, look after your cyclists and their morale. Also cycling-related Tour de France 2020 on the PS4 or Xbox One. Uh, that comes June 4th as well. Compete against the Peloton yeah. uh, in all 21 stages of the Tour de France in the official game. 
to wear the yellow jersey. You will need to take risks, attack, sprint, and perfect your race tactics. Challenge your friends in downhill or sprint mode. Okay. Uh, just this one that... looks quite good. Uh, sorry, just it's not my 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 mommy. What this next it's... one? Yeah, I thought it's probably quite good value for what you get. Oh, I was about to say that uh, ever proving it's the home of shovelware. It's 51 worldwide <laughs> games on the Switch, June 5th. Tabletop classics from the, around the world together in 51 worldwide, worldwide games on Nintendo Switch. Play and discover 51 board games, tabletop games and more all in one package. 51 worldwide games. Crikey, it's another Monster Jam, Monster Jam one, isn't it? This diverse <laughs> collection includes games from all over the world across multiple genres from familiar favourites like chess, to international hits like Mancala that have been around for hundreds of years. This game pack includes 51 worldwide games with pen and notebook set that will be ultimately added to basket. Quite what that means, I do not know. Your mummy mummy. I think my last one is actually my real mummy mummy. Okay, well mine is Command and Conquer Remastered Collection available on the PC June 5th. If you're listening, former developers of Westwood Studios, please release this on console. Please, that'd be so good. Command and Conquer and Red Alert are both remastered in 4K by the former Westwood Studios team members. Includes all three expansions, rebuilt multiplayer, a modernised UI, map editor, bonus footage gallery, and over seven hours of remastered music. Beautiful. I read an article about how they, you know, managed to find the footage um, of the original actors and use that to. <laughs> uh, remaster it because it all sort of yeah. it all got lost through obviously years people don't really care like what was that video over there oh was it was it the, the video for command and conquer yeah i'll bin it or whatever it was or box it all up and send it so obviously the studio got bought out at, at least once and now i think in the hands of ea anyway here's my yeah. mummy mummy the outer world's on the switch june 5th i've heard it looks like a complete dog's breakfast but there you go the outer worlds is a new single player sci-fi rpg from obsidian and private division as you explore a space colony the character you decide to become will determine how this player driven story unfolds in the corporate equation of for the colony you are the unplanned variable tom boot dropped he slips away he evaporates in the air much like my first kiss evaporated after <laughs> licking a frog he's gone <laughs> now we <laughs> we must ask ourselves as we always do tom at the end of the show i ask you what are you hoping to play i don't know mate i think um it's, it's just gonna be a steady few weeks till the last of us too I, buying a sort of fifty pound game like that, it does it doesn't really allow you to get much else. I've got a few. Um, oh, I am playing some Streets of Rage Four, still trying to get uh, more and more trophies for that. I've unlocked all the characters, so I did forget about that one. Um, so yeah, all the retro characters unlocked. I'd really love to see some DLC for that game as well. I think there's loads of potential there. Uh, maybe even another sequel. We might get five yet. Yeah, who knows? Or a, a Golden Axe reboot as well. But yeah, uh, no, nothing I don't think that long-term listeners already know that I've played or still continue to play to this day. But how about you? Um, well, to get the promo shots for this episode, I'll probably have a quick play on the Game Gear. Uh, I might sort Ooh, of roll that into nice. a bit of a yeah. Game Gear experience. Probably... Th- like a young hot model, Tom, I'll get it to splay itself out in its library across a towel. Just before we go, uh, 
Because you, you're a fan of the basketball games. So oh, I, don't know I where forgot. You I forgot. I have, I've been... I had Doom on the 32X I've been playing as well. Uh, Should have mentioned that at the top of the show, shouldn't I? Any good? Uh, yeah, it's actually... Run well? Yeah. It, I don't know if it got unfairly derided, but I haven't really got a lot to compare it to by the PlayStation version and some hazy memories of the PC version. Um, although it's not full screen, it runs windowed. It's probably comparable to the Saturn version, I have to admit. But I had a blast playing it. James the Work Experience Boy was amazed by its novelty and thought it quite a fun little game. He played it very cautiously, obviously, as well, but with Doom, you just... Really? Uh, yeah. you got to run and gun, yeah. You've got to go for it, haven't you? So I, I, taught well, him, I taught him the tempo. <laughs> well, if you're a fan of Doom um, and you're listening, please go and check out our History of the Doom series, which is a, a oh, great yeah. episode. We did, uh, we did that at the start of, well... It was one of the shows before lockdown happened, but it didn't get recorded. So it was our first official show during lockdown, wasn't it? It was. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a good listen with lots of information packed in, especially as we think of picking up uh, Doom Eternal because it's on sale at the minute. Well worth picking up as well. But uh, oh, the other thing was, have you and, uh, have you and James watched uh, the because you're fans of the basketball of the games. I don't know where you'd watch the documentary on the Chicago Bulls on oh, Netflix. I've about it's this. Meant, no, it's meant yeah. to be really good. meant yeah, to be a good I've, watch. That. I'll maybe look it out. Um, I'll probably do it myself. Enjoy, enjoy 1917, because it is awesome. I don't know if I'll, I'll big, watch that later in the week. Yeah, I'll probably yeah. watch that later in the week in the, okay. in the new console room. And then I think that's that's it. I've got lots of things I'm wanting to play, loads of you know Mega Drive games to rip through and Mega CD. I've still uh, I'm still having Mega CD technical issues. Battery backup is not working, so I've been going through that. So if the battery turns up, I'll be tearing it apart, putting it on life support, pulling its brain out, re-soldering in a new one. And then hopefully Careful. playing, and then hopefully playing Snatcher. Um, other than that, I would say that's it. Tom, do you think it's time for the immortal tagline of the show? It is. Okay, then I'll give him it. That's all we have time for this week, listeners. As always, thank you for your time. We look forward to the pleasure of speaking to you again next week. Until then, happy gaming. Remember, there's nothing wrong with being given the unofficial controller. It's what you do that, that counts. See you, Tom. See you, mate.